0: Hello, everyone. The 2022 season of the Personalization Outbreak podcast is here. This season is sponsored by City of Hope, a leading national cancer institute in the United States. Now, we all know that traditional corporate standards no longer work, and it's time for a change, but nobody's talking about it, let alone doing anything about it. That's where personalization outbreak comes in we have honest discussions with leaders and executives who are committed to redefining what leadership really means. So today we'll be talking about the multicultural marketplace and workplace. What's important about multicultural marketing? The relationship between multicultural marketing and a diverse workforce and why a cross-cultural marketing strategy starts in the workplace. Our guest today, Armando Arzalosa, is co-founder and CEO of the Access Agency, an award-winning U.S. multicultural marketing agency founded in 2005. Now, Armando brings 30 years of experience in multicultural communications and marketing. Before we get started, make sure to click the like button below, share it with your colleagues, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media at Glenn Yopes. Let's get started. The 2022 season of Personalization Outbreak Podcast is brought to you by City of Hope, a world leader in the research and treatment of cancer, diabetes, and other life-threatening diseases. City of Hope has been ranked among the nation's best hospitals in cancer by U.S. News and World Report for over a decade. Learn more about City of Hope at cityofhope.org. Army, it's a pleasure to have you, my friend. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Glenn. It's a pleasure to, to sit with you and, uh, and visit a, for a few minutes around this topic.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's the topic that may surprise people. So let's jump right into it. Um, okay. So what's the problem statement that both, uh, both of us, really you, are going to help us um, provide insight uh, to so that we can begin to explore and get to the root of what's happening, especially in the multicultural arena. So here's a statement that multicultural marketing and diversity, equity, and inclusion, they really represent two sides of the same coin, Army, They're led and approached as cost centers rather than growth strategy. How do you react to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to that, Glenn. I mean, I think that a lot of the Major companies across the United States have actually kind of linked these two things together in some way to to try to be much more strategic and much more focused around their efforts, both internally and externally. The problem, though, of course, is that, you know, I understand how how D&I has to be a corporate center, but I, I firmly believe, and among many others, that multicultural marketing has to be part of the growth process for any company. Um, it's where we're seeing the majority of the growth in, in consumer segments. Um, and I think, frankly, to treat it as a cost center versus a growth or a profit center is just, just a failed strategy. And unfortunately, what's going to happen is you're, you're going to have both fall down as a result of that kind of structure that you've set up for it.
0: You know, let me ask you this, uh, Army: as we get into the roots of this. Uh, what kind of progress do you think has been made, uh, particularly here in the United States, Uh, In starting to see multicultural audiences as a growth strategy as a result of the social injustice, because me personally, there's no doubt that we've amplified awareness. I don't see the growth strategy side. I mean, I see it more in the black community for, I think, the reasons that we all know. But how about collectively? Are, Are we there yet?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, I think you know, for, for for good reason, we're focused on the on the black community and some of the some of the, uh, the inequities that exist and the disparity that exists in the marketplace. And so I think we're we're right to do that, um, but we're also right to look beyond that and to look at the different ethnic audiences that make up the fabric of America to figure these are these are the groups that that I need to be talking to in the future. I mean, the, the 2020 census data proves you know with clear evidence that while uh, white Americans are seeing a decline in, in population. Um, multicultural markets are increasing. The Hispanic population grew 25% to 60 million people. Um, that's a, that's a much quicker than we had ever expected. And more importantly than that, I think, is the fact that today, over 50 million Americans identify themselves as other than white. And that's an increase of about 130% compared to 2020. So. There's no question that, that the country has changed. Our priorities have to be adjusted as a result of that, both from a political perspective, a social perspective, and from an economic perspective. Um, and I think these demographic shifts, you know, have real-world implications for companies and, and across public and public public and private sectors. The call for diversity, uh, the call for social equity, the call the call for cultural awareness um, has really gone from a kind of a nice to have to something that is a critical requirement.
0: Well. So let's, take, let's, let's address this issue. Um, here's what I think. Isn't it interesting, uh, Army, that corporate America spends millions of dollars to attract and create loyalty and engagement with consumers in the marketplace? But we're lucky if it's done maybe one-tenth of 1% of that investment for their employees in the workplace. So since we know that to be true, let's explore how multicultural consumer marketing can actually help elevate the value and necessity of DE&I in the workplace that can potentially even fuel more investment for multicultural marketing in the marketplace. How's that sound? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the critical question that has, to be, that has to be answered, has to be solved for, frankly. Um, you know, the, the, amount of, the amount of money, the investment that, that major co- companies are making against multicultural marketing and advertising is only a fraction of what they spend in the general market. We're seeing anywhere between five to 10% investment in multicultural marketing. Now, you know, you might have argued that 30 years ago, that was an, an appropriate number. And frankly, that number hasn't shifted very much in the last 20 years. But what has shifted is the purchasing power of these communities. Multicultural communities across the country today are spending about $1.5 trillion. 600 billion of that alone is coming from the U.S. Hispanic population. But it's not just, it's not just the, the, the power uh, to spend. If you look at the population numbers, if you look at centers across the United States, 40% of California is considered to be Hispanic. 40% of Texas is Hispanic. 30% of Florida is Hispanic. Even if you look at cities, individual cities in Los Angeles, it's 48%. In New York City, it's nearly 30%. I mean, these are staggering numbers. So my question to a lot of my clients and companies out there that are looking at the market is, what is the general market? Is the general market the old outdated model that you've been using for the last 50 years or is the general market this new multicultural millennial focused segment that is driving growth across every single population DMA in the country? That's the critical question. And when we can answer that question, and we get some sense of how companies are going to address that question is when we're, when we're really going to get to the root of this issue. If they're able to communicate with this particular audience, that audience then will reflect its support by by being loyal consumers to that company. And at the same time, the companies have to also look at themselves internally and say, okay, what are we doing for our employees that happen to represent that same segment? Because that same segment is working for the big. technology companies, the big consumer product goods companies that uh, those the retail companies it's the same group of uh, folks that come from these different segments.
0: Well, two things we can conclude consumers and employees are one of the same and what's going to come into the workplace and that are in colleges and in high school right now mm-hmm. are, are multicultural employees that <laughs> won't be prepared, to thrive in corporate America unless we begin to see them as part of the growth. So right. I think I understand why we still view multicultural marketing. And again, these are my views, uh, multicultural marketing and diversity, equity, and inclusion as cost centers because we still haven't learned how to measure inclusion. We're gonna talk about how we do that throughout our discussion today, but let's, the, the other reason for this, because we don't know how to measure inclusion, we continue to take standardized approaches to multicultural marketing and DENI, which I believe is actually pushing our communities further apart, and not just those of diverse populations, I think all populations. And I think what's interesting about this is clearly the surge. and you shared the numbers of multicultural audiences and particularly Hispanic populations. I mean, we represent the cultural demographic shift when large cultural segments of the population reach numbers sufficient enough to have a significant effect on what we do and how we act. That means everyone. So, if And, and what I actually see happening is that we're going through a massive reverse assimilation. In other words, it used to be the people that came from diverse populations that think they needed to assimilate. To a standard that was defined by non-diverse populations, whatever that means, but in terms of multicultural populations, and, and now what's happening is the reverse, and it's happening unconsciously. Why? Because we're the populations, because of our critical mass and growth, that are introducing new ways of consuming, new ways of not just consuming products and services, but also content. And we're creating new lifestyle options for people. So we need to recognize that this cultural demographic shift has significant implications big enough to make these diverse populations a growth center. Uh, so let's do this, Army. I'm going to share with you what I believe to be a standardized approach for DE and I in organizations, and I'll share an aspiration. and I'd like for you uh, to give us a perspective through the multi, uh, multicultural consumer marketing lens. How's that?
1: Great. Sounds good. Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Here we go. So the standardized approach for DE&I is to see people of color as quotas. In other words, we solve for the percentage of diverse talent representation in our organizations in order to be compliant. Now, what's the aspiration? Well, the aspiration here is we must identify more inclusive ways to give people of color a greater sense of belonging that elevates their impact and influence in the workplace. How does this translate in the marketplace, Army?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in the, in the marketplace, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, problem to solve too. And one of the one of the things that I see is the more diverse an organization is, the more diverse that its product will be in the marketplace. Right. So (laughs) if you've got African-Americans, you've got Asians, you've got Hispanics working on particular marketing strategies for products that are coming out of any kind of consumer product, good company, that product is going to be is going to be able to better reflect the diversity that exists in the marketplace, because I, as a Hispanic American, was able to put my my thumb, my two my two cents into the development of that pro- of that uh, service or product, and so things are going to be much, are going to be looked at much more through that diverse lens once they hit the marketplace. So that's good for companies. And frankly, you know, we talked about you talked about measuring. There are some measurements out there that I think are kind of interesting. If you, Nielsen did a study a couple of years ago that estimated that the ROI. For a brand that invests in multicultural marketing could be anywhere between 30 to 40 percent higher than those that don't so we know that there's there are case studies out there where companies are investing and and, and you know getting value for that level of investment uh, the question is how do we take that and how do we move it out across the, the entire economy to be able to truly reflect exactly what the fabric of the consumer is today
0: so army doesn't this beg the question who do organizations or corporations let in to influence their brands? Right. right. Yeah. And
1: it, Go ahead. And I, and I think, you know, one of the points that you and I have talked about over the years is that I think companies in general, and there are some better than others, of course, but I think companies in general do a pretty good job of recruiting diverse candidates into their into their operations, into their companies, right? So they bring them in, they do, they do all the right things, do the proper outreach and proper level of engagement. Where I think companies fail, and I think it has a, a dramatic effect on how we look at DEI and ultimately multicultural marketing is, we forget the final step, which is how do we retain these folks what, once we bring them into the into the corporate structure? How do we how do we invest in them? How do we give them the tools and the resources to be successful? So how do I get them from being somebody on the line to being a supervisor, to being a director, to ultimately being a vice president or even somebody in the C-suite? That's where we fail. Because if you look at American See, if you look at American companies across the board today, there is still a massive gap in terms of leadership from uh, multicultural Americans. And so that's where we need to focus our attention on is we get them in, how do we keep them and how do we get them to move up the, the ranks?
0: You know what? Here's the answer. We need to recognize that they have value, right? They want to be included. And once if just think if we gave them the value that they deserve. Wouldn't they be more loyal to a brand? Wouldn't they provide more feedback to a brand? Wouldn't they want to provide more uh, insights to help that brand grow? If there's ever a loyal consumer, it's that of the multicultural population. And that's the same case on DEI in the workplace. They they represent, they bring in talent to represent, but they don't give them reason to stay because what they do is they bring them in to assimilate. I'm concerned that that's maybe what the strategy is is here with multicultural marketing. That corporations give a lit give a little bit of support, but is it enough to make them feel valued?
1: Right. Right. And 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 then the question from an external perspective is you know. Are you investing enough in the marketplace to really communicate with that particular segment of the audience, right? So it's, to your point, it's, it's a coin with two sides. And on both sides, I think there, there's um, a significant gap. There's a significant gap in terms of how they look at their employees and allow them to be themselves in the workplace and to contribute in ways that bring value. And at the other side, there's also a major gap in terms of understanding the demographic changes in the country today, what that consumer market really looks like, and the level of investment that you place against it. And so once we answer those questions, we'll solve the diversity equity issue. But if we if we simply continue to punt this down, down the line and kick the can, you know, we're gonna be in the same situation five years from now and having the same conversation that we've had for the last, you know, the last decade.
0: And and Armando, you just triggered it. This is why brands have the opportunity to open doors to these populations so that they can showcase the value that they can bring. Precisely. But when we stifle them by limiting their ability to contribute, we're never going to find out. And this isn't just bad for, for the next generation of where corporations are headed. This isn't good for society. Let's move on to the next one. Here's a standardized approach to DE&I. The next one, organizations make assumptions about what people of color need and want. What they do is they've decided what's best for us to be successful. Here's the aspiration. We need to ask people of color what matters to them to be significant. Where is this, how does this play out on the, on the marketing spread?
1: Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, a, that's a critical question that we have to ask ourselves as, as marketers. Are we looking at the total market and understanding exactly what all these different segments are? I mean, I've got clients. I have a great example of a client here in, in, uh, in California that, frankly, um, was looking at their business and saying, hey, I think we're, we're kind of missing the boat on a little bit in terms of our potential growth. So that we started looking at the individual retail location of their, of their uh, stores. And said, you know, we could really be engaging the Hispanic, the Spanish language audience uh, much more directly and authentically. And I think if we did that, we might see a a bump in sales across across the chains. Uh, And in fact, that's what happened. They realized that their growth was being was being um, held down as a result of not properly engaging that particular Hispanic audience. As soon as they engaged them in an authentic way, what do you think happened? Sales increased double digits across these individual stores, which then gave new life to the to brand across the state of California. And that's just one example, there are others, but the, the fact is that if you pay attention to that audience, you you uh, you adapt the content to speak to their reality and you make it as authentic as you possibly can from a language perspective, from a cultural perspective, from a traditional perspective, um, you will engage that audience. We know We know specifically that uh, 90% of multicultural millennials um, are very brand loyal. They will engage with a brand and they will continue to engage with that brand for the, for the life of the brand if the brand continues to be authentic and real in their community. And so the, we know this, is, this works. It's just a matter of getting everybody to focus on it.
0: Army, it goes back to what you just said. Who do we let these audiences, these multicultural audiences be? And when you allow them, to be who they are, they'll come back and not only be loyal, but they'll help come back to help nurture the brand. And this is what we're not seeing in the workplace. We're, we're, We're trying to guide those diverse populations to be successful the way we want them to be. We don't let them influence the future because we don't give them the chance to be significant. And this is, and so I just share this because it's all about who does the brand let those populations be And that example that you gave was perfect to illustrate what happens when you allow them to be them.
1: Yeah. And we have, we have to stop, um, you know, putting people in these boxes. First of all, let's, let's start with that. Right. Uh, You and I are both Hispanics, um, but we don't watch, you know, Spanish language TV all day long. You know, we're not we're not watching novelas. You know, uh, you know, every night. Uh, we're watching. Maybe you are watching some some Spanish language programming. Then you're watching English language programming. Then you're watching. You're listening to hip hop, and you're listening also to country music. Right? Very few boxes fully define who we are. And, and Americans in general have this duality. And we know with the 50 million Americans it's kind of self-identify as other than white. We represent a duality. To, until brands understand what that duality actually means as part of who we are as, as individuals, um, we will never really truly market to them effectively. If we if we focus on that duality and allow them to be who they are and not put them in these pre-described labels or, or boxes, you will unleash the power of the consumer and you will also create authentic engagement for, for your brand.
0: Well, <laughs> you just... <laughs> Explain what happens in the, in the workplace, right? Here's another standardized approach to DEI. Organizations put people of color in boxes. We yeah, boxes. designate diverse employees into like minded groups that promote assimilation. And yes, I'm referring to employee resource groups. When what the aspiration should really be, and by the way, I understand that for an early in career that just trying to get started in the, in, in the, uh, in the workplace. But my goodness, we can't continue to give them in bo- keep them in boxes because all of the other dimensions that we bring as an individual. That's why the aspiration is we must see people of color in their full humanity that promotes their authenticity. So when will brands stop being afraid of promoting our authenticity when it really feels like not all, but some seem to try to get us to assimilate?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and there's, listen, you know, from my perspective, there's nothing wrong with getting like-minded uh, people together from, you know, from a company perspective and, and you know, celebrating, you know, your heritage and your traditions, your language, nothing wrong with that. But when you then prevent these people from actually participating in other venues and other opportunities at the company, uh, because they're part of the Hispanic, you know, business resource group or employee group, that's the problem that we have today is that we're, we're continuing to put people in buckets and not allowing them to pull those down and to participate in every aspect of society and, and, and bring value to these things and, and the reality is that we bring immense value you know as I said before if you're a company in marketing in the United States if you don't reflect that Hispanic identity, the Hispanic duality, and bring value from that perspective, you're missing a huge part of the, of the population segment. So we're not doing ourselves any favor by simply putting ourselves in these groups. Let's realize that the country has changed, that that we should be celebrating individual individuality. We should also be uh, celebrating the segments and what and the traditions that these individual groups bring together. And let's also just understand that you know this is this unique Experience that we have in the country today is something that we should celebrate. It makes us stronger as a, as a result of it, and, and we're not going to make ourselves stronger by simply putting us in, in boxes.
0: Absolutely. And by the way, this then begs the question: How do organizations see the how? Do, how do they see those they let in? So they may let us in, but then how do they begin to see us? And unfortunately, and, and this is not just about diverse populations uh, of employees and consumers, but we have a tendency to see people in very static ways. And I think that's been the case, uh, particularly for diverse populations. We see them based upon how we were introduced to them, but we don't take the time to see how our populations have actually evolved, which has been a very good thing uh, at, with respect to the Black population. It's our understanding, awareness, uh, respect, and how they've evolved and become great contributors uh, in the United States has been fabulous. but. We have to look at the broader spectrum of all the populations. Let's go to another uh, standardized approach uh, to DE&I. Our organizations expect people of color to follow the company mission. We don't create the space for diverse employees to share their experiences and insights. And you talked a little bit about this earlier, Armando. So people don't even know our experiences. They've they've labeled us in these boxes that are so entrenched, they're unaware of the dimensions that we bring. One in particular is the adversities that our communities face. I'm not talking about victimization. Let's face it. I've always said if the baseline for engagement for uh, those from diverse uh, populations is zero, we go into the workplace at negative 20, negative 25, because we've had this stigma before we get into the workplace then we have to figure out how to unleash our individuality in the marketplace. And when you're quickly put into a box, it makes it tough. So what's the aspiration? We need to find ways, new ways for people of color to unleash their unique talents and elevate their individual contribution. And so how do we pull the uniqueness of, of these diverse populations to help marketers understand the value of our uniqueness and how we could add value to the brand?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a complete minds, minds, mindset that has to that has to be kind of you know calibrated into, into the heads of, of the C suite. Um, listen, I, I you know like like you, I, I don't think that there's uh, you know an effort to try to hold anybody down or to or to you know deny their 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 value and contributions. But I think that you know that you've been talking about this for years. Is this kind of standardized you know business model? Um, and that's what's, that's what you know that's that's what they're using as a basis for these decisions. And so, you know, I'm I've I've been for years talking about how do we personalize that that for, for, for individual segments? How do you take a strategic approach to engaging these diverse audiences with a very specific you know mind based segment segmentation strategy? you know, a, a, a singular kind of cross-cultural strategy that speaks to the brand, but also speaks to the consumer and to do it, you know, with a, with a laser focus on culture and tradition. And if you did that, if you took those, those three steps, you will go a long way to develop the brand and to create this level of authentic engagement that we, that we talk about.
0: You know, uh, a c- couple of reactions. One, um, and I want to make sure that, that our listeners and viewers are clear with this. I don't think, Army, that DEI and multicultural marketing has intentionally been seen and operated as a cost center. Mm -hmm. It goes back to what you said. It's this standardized way that we do things that doesn't account for not only one's individuality, but the mass variations of people that we're now having to serve and You know, standardization has really measured sameness and hasn't valued or understood difference. And so now that we have so much difference, um, how do we get our arms around that? And I think that's where people are more afraid of making a mistake than seizing an opportunity. So I think what you're saying here is, is so well put. And you go back to tradition for a moment. I mean, is greatness born by what the mission is or how people contribute to the mission? I think it's the latter, because oftentimes missions can be stagnant. They can be static. And we need to unleash individuality both in the marketplace, in the workplace, so that we can get out in front of where markets, marketplaces are going and what the needs are and expectations in the workplace. And I think that this is, you know, multicultural marketing really helps us to identify what those trends are so we got in front of it.
1: Yeah, you know, I would I would argue that that you know we need to continue to celebrate those individual moments, right? Those the individual moments that these these communities bring to the table. Um, there's nothing wrong with celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. There's nothing wrong with celebrating Black History Month and recognizing the contributions and the values that these communities have brought to the country and the great contributions they've made. No, nope, there's we should be doing that, but we also should be looking for some of the some of some of those insights that kind of connect us all as as Americans. There's there's there are commonalities in our stories, and we should be as as brands looking at how we actually find what is that unique insight that that connects us all together in some way. What's that tissue? What's that DNA? Once we're able to do that, we are more able to 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 bring a brand to life that speaks to the reality as as Americans as opposed to just simply you know, a Hispanic is put into this particular box. So we got to figure out how to, how to you know, seek out some of the specific uh, audiences with the proper cultural nuance to address the inequities that, that are in the, in the country, right? We have to do that, but we also have to figure out how to motivate consumer action around particular items. And I think the best way to do that is not to have five different campaigns, you know, one for Hispanic, one for African-American, one for the general market, one for older Americans. Let's figure out how do we craft a story that combines us all together? What's the commonality, the thread that tells our story? You know, I come out of, as you know, I, I worked in politics for, for a number of years. Uh, and one of the things um, that I learned in, in, those, in those years, and it's really enriched me as a marketer, was understanding how we segment audiences. How do we develop a message specifically for that audience that is not separate from what you're telling everyone else, but it's consistent with what you're saying to everyone else, but has a specific kind of trigger that is going to evoke engagement with a particular group. That's what I bring to, to, to my clients. I, I bring them the ability to kind of take that message, weave it into a story that's compelling, that's creative, that's innovative, that's rich, uh, that celebrates everything we do by focusing on some of the commonalities that exist in the marketplace as opposed to simply separating us into these different buckets.
0: So Armando, let, let's you know, as we get, get closer to close here, this is another standardization trap that institutions have brought to the table. They're very quick to put us in boxes, 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 and more boxes, like you said earlier. But what does this do? It goes back to the, to the part of the problem statement. We were, it, rather than bringing us together, all these boxes keep on pushing us further apart to the point that no one knows each other anymore. We, we, people know what their perceptions are of certain communities and demographics, but they don't know them. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. It, it, right. it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you want to react to that?
1: No, I was just going to say. I mean, if, if we look at if if, if as a, as a marketer, right? If I look at what's happening in the country today, I look at, for example, I'm not thinking about the, the political or the social piece of it. I'm talking about some of the major consumer trends. If you look at music, if you look at food, if you look at sports and celebrities, yeah. there is there is a, a merging of the worlds that takes place across those different sectors. My question to my clients has always been, why can't we take that same approach to consumer marketing? Why can't we treat how do you introduce this product or this brand into the market like we treat music? Hip-hop, for example. Hip-hop is born out of the the black experience. But people that buy hip-hop albums are not just African-Americans. They're white Americans. They're Hispanic Americans. They're African-Americans. There's been a blending of worlds with respect to that. When it comes to sports, same thing. When it comes to music, the, the influence of Hispanic cuisine in places like Los Angeles and in Miami has, it is, is huge, right? So we recognize it from that perspective, but then we don't recognize it when we're actually branding a product or a service in the community. There's a disconnect. There's a massive disconnect there because we see the example of how it can be successful, but we don't use that as an advantage to be able to market a product.
0: You know, you make me, made me think, Army. I, I think maybe this is happening uh, again, I may be completely off, but um, but we've recognized that we have a lot of common buying habits, based on the things that are going to stimulate our life. But do, do we have we taken the time to understand um, the things that cause pain in our life, the things that, the, the things that we're feeling and thinking to better get to know what our own challenges are? so that we can help be part of creating new products and services that can actually tend to our community. That's not just about something that's going to help our lifestyle, but help us in who we are as individuals and human beings. Because if we continue to silo, 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 we'll never find those commonalities. And it makes me feel as if it's going to slow us down to finding the innovations Mm -hmm. in, in the new technologies and the new messaging, and the new products that can actually start rebuilding community. Because in the end, until we unleash our individuality, we're not going to know each other well enough to start rebuilding community. Do you have a final comment as we wrap it up?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, look, if you look at at the consumer market today, right, for, for the last 50 years, we've been, our entire consumer market has been based on on uh, you know, the older Americans who well, are older Americans say, but the baby boomers that came out of the fifties and sixties, right? Everything was based around that particular mindset. Today, that mindset has shifted. We should be looking at millennials as the growth opportunity in, in the marketplace. If you look at millennials, nearly 40% of millennials in the country today are Hispanic. So think about that for a second. 40% of the market that you're going to be talking to for the next 50 years are Hispanic. So for you not to look at it from that perspective is is kind of foolish. Now we also know that uh, multicultural millennials, you know, we talked about how brand loyal they were, but they also want companies, they want to invest with companies that are invested in their particular communities Com- companies are actually doing socially good projects and initiatives in their in their in the particular communities so we know that companies are being asked to invest we know companies are being asked to speak up on these particular issues and it's coming directly from the largest consumer segment in the market today which is will be in the next 50 years the, you know the focal point of, of how we approach it. so we got we, we have to understand that the, that the fabric of the consumer market has changed. It's no longer what it was 20 years ago today. It's much more of an integrated uh, much more of an integrated market and with the number of you know 130 percent increase in those that are considered to be mixed race in the country, I, I don't know how you survive in the country today and not render yourself obsolete if you don't recognize that and market your products to that reality.
0: Armando, you've been wonderful, and is is you know, as, as I think about our discussion, it's it's interesting. I, I think what we're finding is that we make decisions based upon how we're incentivized, uh, mm-hmm. rather than doing what's right uh, to truly drive economic uh, sustainable economic yeah, growth. Right. Uh, especially when you consider all the things that you shared with us. But I'll bring it down to this: it's time to rebuild community, and it's time to recognize those across all these sectors that are part of the fabric of rebuilding communities. Because if we continue uh, on this track of siloing communities and siloing people, I think it's going to make, make it much harder for brands to find growth when the growth is looking right at them. So, uh, Army, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Do you have one more little piece of wisdom as we, as we wrap up? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I always try to. I always try to, to, to mention this at the end of every time I speak because I think it's such a critical thing that we as as Americans. That you know, people ask me what can I do. Well, I'll tell you what you could do. You can go out across the country and explore culture uh, from city to city, from neighborhood to neighborhood, from community to community. Go one day to uh, Chinatown in San Francisco and see the vibrancy of that of that economic culture that exists, you know, the, the, the vibrancy of, of small businesses and, and what they contribute to a country or to a city. Go to an AME church in Georgia and, and understand exactly some of the, the religious fabric that, that, that connects that community and, and the joy and the happiness that comes out of that kind of a service. Go to Miami and sit one day with some of the older Cuban Americans that are playing dominoes and really understand the vibrancy of that particular cultural reality and our tradition. Once we do that as, as, a, as, a, as a country, we'll have a much deeper appreciation for the, the diversity that exists in the country, the values that, that, that these communities bring. And at the end of the day, I think it's going to make us much more uh, willing to come together in a way that is much more genuine and authentic.
0: Goes back to this. We need to know the people we're serving. Absolutely. So I'm going to leave everyone with, with five things to consider that were discussed in this conversation. And this is how you measure inclusion. Who do you let in? How do you see those you let in? Who do you let them be? What do you let them do? And how do you let them do it? Armando, really appreciate you. You've really enlightened me and uh, you've really made me think. And I, I hope others are, are thinking critically about the discussion today. And can't thank you enough.
1: As thank I always close pleasure. the
0: show, when we lead in the age of personalization, you will see things that others don't. Do what others won't and keep pushing when prudence says quit. Thank you, Army. Thanks for listening to Personalization Outbreak. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. If you enjoyed the content, visit ageofpersonalization.com to check out our free streaming video series and learn how to get involved in the movement. I'm Glenn Yopes. I wish you a good day. And remember, without strategy, change is merely substitution not evolution. Learn more about City of Hope at cityofhope.org.